why limit yourself to file sharing, right? For us as developers, we're like, what if you just did that everywhere? Like took that idea and applied to everything, databases, to uh, communications, to everything. There's no reason why you limit yourself to files. You're just like boxing yourself in. Robots and IoT and artificial intelligence are growing really uh, rapidly. And we will have machine to machine payments, right? Robots will pay for stuff. Cars will pay that are becoming more and more robots will pay for stuff. Fridges are already paying for stuff. Light bulbs are buying their own electricity. It doesn't matter if um, an atomic bomb will wipe out your home. You have 24 words in your, half, uh, in your mind and you'll get all your personal life fully backed up everywhere from this network peers. Uh, having worked in open source and, uh, and making tons of that in software in, in the past, like that's a huge missing step in software. That's just like simple monetization. We are seeing actually more and more users uh, excited about, uh, about uh, Lightning payments. Paolo Arduino and Matthias Boos are the co-founders of Holepunch, a fully encrypted platform for building peer-to-peer -peer applications. Matthias is the CEO who has been working on peer-to-peer -peer apps for a decade, and Paolo is the CSO. He is also the CTO at Tether. In our discussion, Paolo and Matthias and I discussed exactly how Hole Punch works, what it is built for. We discussed the benefits of using peer-to-peer -peer apps and the costs and risks and trade-offs of relying on cloud data storage. We also discussed some of the ideas that developers could build using Hole Punch and how those developers could monetize their businesses using stablecoins or Bitcoin on Lightning. Matthias and Paolo have both asked to have their share of today's show splits sent to the Human Rights Foundation. So if you enjoy this episode and if you learn something new, the best way you can support this show is by sending in sats over the Lightning Network using your favorite podcasting 2.0 app. Before we get into today's show, this episode is sponsored by Voltage. Voltage is the industry standard and next generation provider of Lightning Network infrastructure. Today's show is also sponsored by Zebedee. Zebedee is your portal into the world of Bitcoin gaming. We'll have more from Voltage and Zebedee later in the show. Paolo and Matthias, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me today. I'm really excited to discuss the latest project you two have been working on called Hole Punch. Um, and, and Keat built on top of Hole Punch. But before we get into it, why don't we start with both your backgrounds, if you could introduce yourselves to listeners and tell listeners more about what you've been working on in the past few years and why you're deciding to build peer-to-peer -peer apps on Lightning now. Matthias, you want to start? Yeah, sure. So uh, yeah, I'm Matthias Boos. Uh, I'm a Danish guy. I, I've been actually been involved with peer-to-peer -peer the last actually my entire professional career, which is probably the last 10 years is, you know, it's always, uh, you always forget a year because you get older, but I think it's around 10 years now. Uh, so I've been in the peer-to-peer -peer open source space uh, that, that long building all kinds of uh, experiments. I worked a lot with, with BitTorrent in the past and I worked with Paolo the last uh, many years on, on scalable peer-to-peer -peer infrastructure also for running, uh, you know, uh, company infrastructure and stuff like that. So. Very excited to be here. I'm also a big JavaScript fan, uh, and uh, like, that's all I work with. Um, and so excited to be here talking about peer-to-peer -peer and, and, and everything we're doing. Awesome. Paolo, I know you've got a long history in Bitcoin and Lightning, and why don't you give listeners who aren't familiar with you just a background on, on your last few years? 
Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Paolo Arduino. I'm CTO at Tether and Bitfinex and uh, CSO at Whole Punch. My, actually, I'm you know I'm a developer uh, since a really early age, and uh, I've been uh, focusing my life on uh, scalable uh, applications. So um, I was involved uh, really early on on uh, high performance computing and uh, you know uh, distributed applications and so on and so forth. Then you know peer to peer is basically the the natural progression. Um, on you know on when you think about um, distributed applications, actually peer to peer is the the pure most pure natural progression that you can have, right? So, is in a way it feels like um, also from a pure ethos point of view, I, I like to consider myself a little bit uh, an activist in that sense. Like I, I like to think that uh, things you know uh, components should be. Um, symmetric in both in, in life in 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 society and in computer uh, in the computer uh, ecosystem right so in a way is like um, um um symmetry is one of the most important things and you know usually the client server model is not really symmetric right right it's fully asymmetric so um i think that uh, when it comes to bitfinex matthias is completely right we have been working together now in you know since the last five six years i cannot even remember uh, at this point and uh, we have been always you know wondering and envis envisioning things together right and um we brought uh, most a uh, lot of uh, actual peer-to-peer into Bitfinex as well, right? So Bitfinex backend um, was built on uh, um, and is still currently built on top of uh, microservices, but the microservices architecture that we built for Bitfinex, right? I, I, I coded a ton of that part uh, uh, directly, is actually built on more than 500 microservices today. And all those microservices actually are using um, uh, the DHT to find each other. And you know this distributed hash table. I'm sure that we'll talk later about that. And it's actually one of the reasons why uh, Matai and us started talking heavily about it because you know we were actually I was relying on some stuff that Matthias was contributing to right? And one worked you know after the other. You know one thought at the other. And you know after <laughs> many years, right? It's three years that actually we are we started seriously to work yeah. on or discuss about the whole bunch. This is like. It's not something like we waked up a few days ago and said, <laughs> okay, this would be cool, Web3 is cool, and, and so on, right? It's something that has been brewing many years and has been something concrete for the last three years for us. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, I want to get into all the technical details of Hole Punch in a second. But first, I want to start with a different question, and that is, you know, this the, the Bitfinex and Tether family of companies, you guys have been on the front lines of peer-to-peer -peer and Lightning for a while now. I mean, Lightning as a peer-to-peer -peer app, right? Like, you you have recognized this as important before it is has become consensus. Like, a lot of people still in the crypto and, and Bitcoin space don't recognize Lightning. They don't recognize the need for peer-to-peer -peer apps. You guys have. What have you recognized that other people have not clued into? Why, why are you guys deciding this is the right move? when everyone else is, is focused on, on other things today? So I will try to give you the polite uh, answer. So let me explain you why, right? So you have two developers in this call. And uh, as developers, right, so if we have to think to um, a really scalable payment system, you cannot imagine a, a scalable payment system to be to to have a global state uh, to share a global state, right? So, all these layer ones, you know, Bitcoin of course cannot process uh, 
billions of transactions per second. We know, all know that, right? and it's not even the scope of Bitcoin. Bitcoin's scope is to be a, a store of value, a way to share a global state that is slow, but is extremely secure, right? And on top of that, you have capabilities to build, you know, layer two, uh, like uh, Lightning Network. But, you know, you see these uh, layer one solutions, like that uh, they claim they are super scalable. But their, um, their solution is to speed up the block time and trying to compress as much transaction as possible in one single block and then have a global consensus across the entire globe. And the, 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 the suggestion is that they can scale to hundreds of thousands or millions of transactions per second. Of course, you know, it's nonsense, right? So because there, there is a limit of the speed of light, there is this limit, you know, if you have like, if you send a packet from, from like um, Switzerland or Italy to Tokyo, it takes 150 milliseconds to 200 milliseconds. Imagine if you have a block time that is 500 milliseconds and you have like to reach a global consensus. You have to reach places like in Africa and in other places that will need to, to, to hear about all the transactions included in the block, right? So, and also why we are in, even needing that type of global consensus, right? It's like pretending that, uh, Kevin, your fridge is buying groceries for you because nowadays the fridges are connected to internet and can buy bro- groceries, right? And I need to know that you are buying milk for, for, your, for your breakfast, right? Why? So the only meaningful and reasonable way to solve this problem is peer-to-peer, right? So you establish a channel between two parties, and this is with peer, similar to peer, is exactly peer-to-peer, right? Is a, in peer, is a socket. A channel is basically a socket, right? Is where two parties are established, uh, exchanging information. Simple as that, right? So if I want to make one billion transactions with you, and only with you, because I'm like you are Amazon and I'm buying a ton of stuff from you, right? Every second. And you, there are chargebacks, whatever, right? There is a continuous flow of monetary information that happens on a channel that is dedicated between the two of us. And that's that's it. That if you think about it, then you can have a channel with Matthias and then Matthias can have a, chat, a channel with his friend and so on and so forth, right? So that's the only reasonable way to scale stuff, right? All the other attempts are like smoke in the eye, in my opinion, because, you know, it's, there is, unless you beat the speed of light, you, and you, you completely debunk relativity, and you do go on, like, in the hyperspace, and so on, then you cannot, it, the, the peer-to-peer uh, solution in order to scale to mass adoption of payments is the only reasonable way. Also, because, sorry, really quickly, I'm a really big uh, a sci-fi fan, and I believe that in the future, and you know, apart from uh, crypto, uh, 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 robots, and IoT, and artificial intelligence are growing really uh, rapidly, and we will have machine-to-machine payments. Right? Robots will pay for stuff. Cars will pay that are becoming more and more robots will pay for stuff. Fridges are already paying for stuff. Light bulbs are buying their own electricity. How the hell we are pretending to process all those uh, billions, probably, of, of transactions at least per, per second, you know, if, uh, if we don't have a pure peer-to-peer system? So that's why. I love that. I like it. This is, we're off to a great start here. So now, w- when we think about in the, in the context of hole punch, is it fair to, to look at the structure of the Lightning Network and put it up to the structure of the hole punch protocol and say, like, <laughs> these are roughly similar with the idea of, like, you know, you're directly connected to other parties. There's not not some central hub that you're all going through. Is that a fair comparison to make? 
there's like there's there's definitely some some idea overlap. I would say like it's always a little bit dangerous uh, comparison because in the end in the in the lightning network we're always working towards settling on a global chain. Like we're just all about local data just swarming between us. So like me and Paolo or, or you Kevin could have just data swarming between us and nobody else needs to know about it. In fact, that's a feature. And so we don't need to have it tied back to like global consensus. But like in the way of, of thinking about Lightning as just two people talking to, to each other, that's definitely peer-to-peer, -peer, right? Uh, and um, so like there's definitely some, some overlap. And that's also why both me and Paolo are big fans of Lightning in general compared to a lot of other stuff. I see. So yeah, you strip out the, the Bitcoin component of Lightning where it settles on chain and then, then you can kind of start to reason about, you know, this as a network for transmitting information rather than transmitting sats and, and, and maybe sats along with information. And then you just and then you just add a ton of data structures to it instead and say like, wait, what if we could take all our databases, everything we, we do on computers, file sharing, all those things and make protocols that actually, that actually work in this context where they're just like swarming between us rather than to a central place. So we can actually make really powerful applications like we're used to. Uh, without um, like any trade-offs, really. Um, so that's 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 you know that's like that's our ethos. Just do do everything you can do with with existing systems, but peer-to-peer -peer and better and more scalable. Right. Okay. So if, now, if... for people who haven't uh, seen the press release you guys put out yesterday, you had you had a, a big uh, gathering of people on Bitcoin Twitter excited about this yesterday. But for anyone who has not listened to that, um, what is the high-level pitch for? Hole punch and Keat, and how do those two interact with each other? So I think that um, let's start from the um, uh, simple terms, I would say, and then we can go deeper and deeper in, in the uh, in, in the complexity of, of the protocols and so on, right? So um, imagine so, and this is also the good difference between uh, Lightning and and Hole Punch in general. Right? Lightning is about transfer of value, so all the protocols and they are reusing the same protocols. In part, Lightning is using some of the protocols that are also used in uh, in um, in Hole Punch because you know anyway it's networking protocols, and you know also when you have to transfer value, value is still represented by data, and in a way. Lightning is using similar protocols. The difference is that uh, uh, Lightning uh, has is focusing more on the monetary transfer that is not like terabytes of data, while you know, um, Hole Punch is actually optimized for transferring any amount of money, right? Any amount of uh, sorry, that data, any amount of data, because it's focused on high um, uh, throughput delivery. Because it's you know when you are doing file sharing or video calls that is really key um, so if i have to put it in a really simple term what is hole punch uh, i think that uh, many of your viewers and almost everyone is familiar with the concept of BitTorrent. right BitTorrent is the most unstoppable um file sharing system right so we have seen in the in the decade before BitTorrent many attempts that were all uh, um, uh, they all got shut down, right, for for different reasons. The problem is that there were there was all, always a place of for centralization, right? Um, centralization is always the problem, right? So that's why when you think to how to solve a problem in the peer-to-peer -peer world, you have always to remember that the solution should be still peer-to-peer, -peer, right? You should never fall back into the whole habits of using a central piece because otherwise that will be become the weakest link of your chain. Anyway. Um, we know uh, BitTorrent as a way to share static files, right, between people, and it was it is beautiful, beautifully built. It's like a BitTorrent is like um, if you think about it, it's like Bitcoin has 
uses Bitcoin took existing technologies uh, and put them all together to build the best monetary system we know. And BitTorrent did similarly, right? So took like um, different technologies like hole punching and, and the idea of swarming and so on. And they shaped in a way that made built to build the most sophisticated, uh, scalable file sharing system. But why limiting to, so this is, I believe, the brilliant part around hole punching and uh, the hole punch platform. So why limit yourself to file sharing, right? Because files are stat static files, right? It's something you have in your hard drive, that's it. But what if, instead of sharing a file, you do that for, you, you create a sort of torrent, but for data streams. Data streams are live data streams, ever-changing data, right? So it means that our video chat now is generating live data streams for video, and then you have the audio, the text, if you are texting, all the interactions that we have between each other are generating data flow. Those are live data streams. So imagine BitTorrent for data streams and with, I believe, uh, more um, in-depth research for the networking part, because then it's extremely highly optimized to um, connect peers also in even more complex networks because you know with uh, with BitTorrent you had you were at home right you had to run it on on a desktop computer so you didn't have to worry of okay i'm in the middle of nowhere right and i still want to connect with someone else right you still on your phone or your you know whatever instead whole, uh, whole punch um you know and and matthias especially it focused for so many years on getting the networking part right in order to make sure that these could be brought, all this concept could be brought to a next level. So with live data streams, if you if you receive a file on BitTorrent a little bit later, it's not a big deal. But if you do you are doing a video call, that is more problematic, right? So the concept is uh, took BitTorrent, the evolution of uh, of torrent but with uh, more research on the stability on the network, high, high availability, throughput, and so on and so forth, and especially focus on live data streams. And KIT is the first, so Hole Punch is this protocol, is this framework, and is also the name of the company that is building all this, right? So the framework and the, the software development kit is still called Hole Punch, and is the, the software development kit is the thing that will allow developers to build applications on top of it, and will provide these primitives that will allow simple, distributed, decentralized, secure file storage, um, meeting distributed uh, meeting points for people that want to create rooms and share files and share video chats uh, together, and um, um, and all the magic basically happens in whole bunch. Kit is just mm. a proof that what we have been building over the years and this vision works, right? We have been proving that this vision works and the quality of the result is higher and superior than Zoom already with just a few months in development. And it's super exciting for us because like we, uh, we love that when we like release Keith, this like very polished and super cool looking app that just works. And it's, it's just like a really good app, even if you don't know it's peer-to-peer, -peer, it's just like a really solid communications app with like chat, file sharing, all these features uh, that, uh, that you know, users love, but like no limits because it's all peer-to-peer, -peer, so like, you know, unlimited file sharing. You can have as much chat as you want. The, the video quality is really high because like there's no servers. You're just connecting directly to people. Um, all that is possible from peer-to-peer -peer and uh, like what excites me a lot, and I'm sure it excites Paolo also, is that, uh, you know, we know that 
all that work that's being done for that is actually just being delivered by our, our uh, hole punch platform so that any other app we're making in the future can like utilize all of that uh, in, a, in a very simple way so you can like keep making these really powerful apps because like all the hard work is there. We usually say like, it's probably like 10% of Keat is actually Keat and 90% of it is just, you know, the whole punch platform, just like doing its thing and delivering this cool experience. In fact, we've, like the app itself is, is mainly developed by, by one guy in our company, uh, like a normal front-end developer that's just using the, the APIs available to just deliver this experience. This is a guy that would normally just be making websites, but all of a sudden, by giving all these primitives to somebody in this very easy to use um, um, package, they can they can start making these like apps that compete with like you know uh, hundred million if not billion dollar industries online because they can just do it all from the comfort of their computer, not having to worry about scale, uh, DevOps like they don't have to spin up things on Amazon uh, like uh, they don't have to put in credit cards everywhere to like get anything going because they can just have the entire experience on their computer which is already powerful enough to do all this stuff uh, already. Like, you know, we almost, uh, you know, I get always get a little bit frustrated because we're always getting tricked into thinking we need all this stuff when we have like the most powerful computers in the world. Like, you know, you know how all those like those jokes about like the, moon, the, the computing power they needed to land on the moon is like less than, than whatever. Like we have like, like a jillion times that yet we're like in some weird tech dystopia where we can almost do less than back then, right? Cause, We've just been thinking into becoming consumers of this big cloud uh, apparatus. Uh, so it's super exciting to just like turn that around and uh, and um, and give the power back to developers and users. Yeah, but that is fascinating. Imagine... And I really like that analogy, the the one about BitTorrent. Um, I want to make sure I have that right though. So like, so BitTorrent, you can basically only do static files. Here you can do static files and data streams. And it's a platform that you can build apps on top of it, has anyone used BitTorrent? Is that a is that a common thing for people to build apps on BitTorrent, or is this a new thing that is enabled by Hole Punch? Well, BitTorrent was only used for like sharing files and file systems, and I think it's still being used a, a bit. Uh, but it was very much used like you know ten years ago. But like I've worked a lot with BitTorrent, and we're heavily inspired by the the simplicity and beauty of that system. But like there was always like Paolo said, it was always kind of like the focus there was just like being really good at sharing files. And for us as developers, we're like, what if you just did that everywhere? Like took that idea and applied to everything, databases, to uh, communications, to everything. There's no reason why you limit yourself to files. You're just like boxing yourself in. And it's actually only when you do that and then obviously add a top of uh, R&D on top to actually make you know, things work like databases and stuff, which is like why we've been working on this for like uh, the last three, five years, right? Because uh, it's, no, it's no easy task that you can start to unlock these simple things that developers can just take and without having a PhD and in peer-to-peer science uh, uh, use and, and build real apps with them. But if I can build on one thing that said Matthias, imagine, so now we are in, in uh, Riverside, right? Um, and uh, how many people, how many developers do you think that it took to build Riverside and, as, a, as an app or, or Zoom, right? So the, so the comparison is probably 100 to one, right? So that is, that is an insane comparison. And this is basically just something that you can do using actual, um, modern technology like what we are providing right so it feels like uh, the rest is still stuck to the, we are seeing the web 2 still selling us technology that was built in 2003 right and yet yeah. um that is the thing that they know and the things that they know that they control so that's the the the, the huge difference and uh, you know the, giving this power to all the developers will will take one step at a time 
away the power from the big tech corp uh, corporations. Mm. So, so even the building cost for a developer is going to be lower on peer-to-peer -peer apps. It's going to be free, Absolutely. basically, because they just they just they already own the device, right? Like you know, most developers own a computer already. That computer is insanely powerful. They already have a, a you know big enough disk to to build build any app they want. So um, let me give you the example of Riverside, right? So we are you choose um, Riverside because basically it will allow um, you to make sure that my video quality gets recorded on my laptop um, much better than on Zoom or, 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 or Google Meet because then on Google Meet, you know, the, the, the client will compress the data and if you, for example, there is a glitch in the bandwidth, right, then you might receive rotten information. And with, with the kit, actually, you can easily do that the very same, in the very same way. And you can do that because you record your own, own um, video on, you, on your local computer and you can store it and you know can you can lazily upload it and you can get you can make a clone of riverside in probably 20 days extending heat so even less so you see and basically everyone can do it so every time you need to record something i'm not sure if you know and i don't want to know if you're paying riverside but every time it, with simple changes of upgrades or plugins whatever you want to call that you can build rebuild existing experiences but developers can offer these experiences for free or for a crumble of the cost of, of, of the service because there is no infrastructure. Because I'm already uh, recording myself on my laptop. You are recording yourself on your laptop. Matthias is recording himself on the laptop. And suddenly you have to use a centralized infrastructure. Why is that? I mean, we already we can connect to each other and share the information that anyway we are sharing with a centralized party. So there is no need anymore of centralized parties anyway. Yeah. Okay. That, that makes a lot of sense. So if we eliminate the central servers and we, you know, you look at like the data centers that like Facebook and Amazon and Google are running, what happens to all that? It can all that be stripped away. Like, I guess another way to frame this is like, if you succeed with this vision, what cannot be peer to peer? It's like, just like to add to that, like think about those data centers and think about when you see pictures of them, like these big things, but then think about all the computing just in your room. Like, you know, you're probably sitting on a laptop, you probably have a phone in your pocket, maybe you have a smartwatch, like your TV, TV probably has a processor. Also, like Paolo said, your fridge, you know, can all, like if you add up the world's compute, like those data centers, are all, they're nothing all of a sudden. They're just like these behemoths of like, you know, old school thinking. Uh, and like there's still still use cases for like having you know uh, computers that run for a long time and stuff like that, but like no need for centralizing all of that all of a sudden in the, in, in the middle of a big building. So it's all about unlocking. Just it's like we're actually not even saying like we need more. We're just saying unlock everything we have, and and you know we have like a massive explosion of of, uh, of compute, which is uh, pretty crazy. So I think that you can you can have um, so if you. These these supercomputers or big data centers can still be used to if you have to do like uh, really complex calculations, right? So if you need yeah. to run, for example, uh, huge rendering for Pixar, right? You use like uh, insane amount of of energy to do like really complex um, calculations that need, requires like uh, probably one thousand um, CPUs all working together. And of course, if they are in the same location in the same data center. The latency of communication across all, all these nodes for rendering or for artificial intelligence will uh, will make a difference, right? Compared to peer to peer, there, there is a little bit of network latency. But when it comes to 
data sharing and collaboration and, uh, and all this part that is anyway 99% of the use cases of everyone on this earth, you don't need data centers. Right, so that is the point. You can still have data centers for you know all the math part, you know, uh, uh, you know, predicting um, hurricanes, whatever. Right, you can do that, uh, but still you can. But really, the majority of the use cases in people's life are don't need that type of data center. Mm, I see. So I want I want to highlight something that uh, Matthias you said in in the press release uh, when announcing Hole Punch. You said. I'm a big believer in open source and the role that it will play in liberating communication channels um, for billions of people around the world. What kinds of applications are you most excited about when you think about all the different things that these peer-to-peer -peer channels can now do? What do you think is gonna be most impactful to the world? Well, I mean, it's like, you know, we can also draw some really cool parallels to Bitcoin here in terms of what it unlocked, like economic freedom and stuff like that. Like, you know, it just, the simplest of things to think about is like, think about all the countries in the world that have like oppressive, oppressive regimes or like uh, things like that, where people can't say what they want. Like big part of that, the way that's enforced is through centralized systems, these places where, you know, you're afraid to say anything because it's going to get monitored, there's going to be a knock on your door and the big consequences will happen for you. That's all because like, you know, monitoring and, and, and centralization, right? Um, and, and we're lucky enough to live in countries where there, there's less so, but like, you know, also the tendencies worldwide is just going towards monitoring and more and more. Like peer-to-peer -peer just unlocks that immediately. Like, you know, all of a sudden you can have direct channels with people. You can say what you want uh, without fearing things. Like that's one of the simplest, easiest to understand unlocks that are just so insanely good, right? We can have private conversations with each other, just free people without thinking about like big impacts. Um, Obviously, as you scale up conversations, there is still more concerns about like what you say and blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, like as fundamental things, peer-to-peer -peer just unlocks that. And that's super exciting. And that's that's a big part of why I'm, 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 I'm very into it. Right. So censorship, censorship resistance and being able to just communicate in private is going to be like a... Yeah, like as, as, like, as, as a thing that we don't have to say, oh, that's a feature, that's a default, right? Like, the, why is it not like this, everything we do? Like, privacy is, 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 is dead on the line. Like, obviously, uh, you know, things should just be private and, and like, you know, controllable. Also, like, I don't know how you feel, but like, if I talk to my wife and, and in the past, we uh, used uh, Facebook Messenger, right? Like, and then all of a sudden you see all the ads coming in where you're like, well, we talked about that. And you're like, that's really, really creepy. Like, that's just the other side of it. Like, and that's because, you know, everything is monetizable online uh, because they have to make money because it costs them money to, to drive things. As soon as we, you know, you start moving, taking that incentive away, things just become, you know, much clearer. And it's not like that we're like inherently good people promising we won't promise it. It's just because promising we can't commercialize this. We're just saying it can't because it's peer-to-peer. -peer. We don't have a, like, we're not in the middle of the traffic, right? So that's like, you know, it's just an inherent feature, which is very exciting. Yeah. And this, this almost, it sounds like a parallel to life before the internet, where yeah. if you want to have a public conversation, you can, and you can blast stuff out to everyone. But if you don't, if you want to have a conversation in your home, it's, it's a conversation you're having on your own and no one else is involved. And, and this may just be like reintroducing that idea on the internet where, you know, we spent the last 10 years thinking that, uh, you know, everything that we post is going to be everywhere at all times. And now we have this alternate avenue where if we want, we can have these closed conversations and we can just yeah. 
you know, live how we've always lived for thousands of years. And I'm like, there's also all these weird, there's these weird tendencies in modern society. I don't know, I don't know what, how it is in your country, but like here, if you're a politician and you want to post things, they tend to post it on Facebook and to read it, you have to go through this cookie wall where you basically have to accept that Facebook will mine all your cookies forever to read something about public life. Like, you know, what's, what's going on? And like, that's an American company. We don't even live in America. So it's like even harder to understand the consequences of that. Like, that's just because we lost the battle for, like the old internet lost the battle for, for privacy and like figuring out this stuff from the get-go. And that's, that's why we're so drawn to it and kind of like rebooting and saying, you know, fundamentals have to solve this which is like the whole punch platform and then the things we build on top just work with this constraint or feature always you cannot turn it off okay so i have an interesting question for you guys if you two were in charge of facebook and google today knowing what you know about peer-to-peer -peer apps and and your vision here for what whole punch can accomplish what actions would you take to avoid your business being disrupted so well you know, I think that um, you wish that, uh, you know, uh, heads of these companies would uh, be, um, uh, would have this long-term vision and understanding because most, but most of the time, I mean, we have seen that with Bitcoin, right? So in Bitcoin, you know, in 2009 and, and 10 and 11 and 12, all the banks and, you know, everyone, you know, in the traditional financial sector was making fun of Bitcoin, right? Saying it will, it cannot ever do anything, cannot ever take the financial system and this and that and it kept growing and growing and growing because in a way the fact that uh, the possibilities of bitcoin and as i'm sure the possibilities of all punch in terms of undertaking um the communication space these possibilities will be undermined and laughed at by you know the the, the big tech sector only to find out that in maybe 10 years 15 years you know, things will be, you know, 50% of the web is actually peer-to-peer -peer and is back to be peer-to-peer, -peer, right? And definitely there will be pushback. But you know what? I mean, in the end, uh, also governments, you know, are um, in Europe at least, they are, there is some interest in making sure that uh, big tech is not uh, eating all your data and then profiting from, from all your data. So in a way, the, you know, we are, if we don't do something now, we will end up in a fully dystopian or valiant world where you know this actually corporation will be more powerful and in a, in a certain way they are already but the corporation could be even more powerful than governments and so this is i believe like uh, one of the last uh, bells that we can ring in order to um to to make a change because otherwise things with web3 keep in mind that things will not change right and we are seeing and that's why you are seeing all google and all the others are are actually excited by web3 why is that i mean ideally web3 should be a movement that uh, is born from crypto with the same ethos that should say you know let's take back our data let's not have big tech monetizing our data and hence you have all these venture funds from you know uh, run by the very same people that are heavily invested or you know involved with with the, the big tech companies that are pouring money into web3 because actually web3 is just web2 with a different hat and with just another ways to monetize uh the content it's just creating a token right so you you are adding layer of complexity on top of what should be extremely simple right you are a person you are producing data data should be yours and you should share decide where to share or with whom share that data so 
I think that what will happen is that, uh, um, to summarize, they will just make laugh. Uh, we will laugh. They will laugh at uh, at what we are doing until it will be too late for them to change. In a way, I'm not sure if um, you ever read that uh, uh, book, but there is a book that I really do love. I was I read that when I was probably 16 years old the first time. It was Cathedral and the Bazaar from Eric S. Raymond. It talks about you know two styles of building stuff, right? You have the cathedrals. You are, they are beautiful, really complex. You know, it takes you know the the, the one in Milan took three hundred, two hundred years, three hundred years to to be built, right? Is so, and a lot of people, a lot of effort, a lot of money. And then you have the bazaars, right? The bazaars are like this random organization, people that are selling data, selling selling stuff, buying stuff. Super mess from the outside seems like extremely chaotic, but it works. It has been working for for thousands of years, right? It's like uh, everywhere. It's like uh, the the markets, the real markets, not the supermarkets we are used to. But it's like uh, that is the bazaar, right? And the, the the thing with the cathedral, like we can make the comparison of the cathedral and the you know the the big tech corporations to change something for them, it takes a lot of time. You know, it, to change something in, in in a cathedral, right? If to to restructure it, you know, the cathedral has is extremely complex. It's it was built a long time ago, so you are fearful that it might all fall down, right? If you don't put, um, you don't take the, the right precautions, and um, with the with the bazaar, you know, things are always moving, right? Is the shape keeps changing, and it, you know. And Arkin came and, you know, another bazaar starts, right? Somewhere else or in nearby, in a nearby city, right? So it's, it's unstoppable, the bazaar, because it's just people interaction. It doesn't matter. It's not strongly built. It can change shape in, in, in a moment. So that is, that is hole punch. Hole punch is basically a bazaar for information, for data, compared to cathedrals that are extremely complex to change and eventually will will just something that we will look at as a remember uh, of our, as a reminder of the past. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Voltage. Voltage is the industry standard for Lightning Network infrastructure. Creating layer two applications and services on top of Bitcoin starts with Voltage, where you can spin up nodes, get access to liquidity, optimize your node, and much more. Voltage is leading the way as the next generation provider of Lightning Network infrastructure. And if you want to get a free trial and start using Voltage today, you can do so at voltage.cloud. I really like that analogy. It's, it's a very fluid system and it can kind of like adapt over time rather than something that was built, you know, uh, with one sole purpose and spent so much effort and time to construct that now it's not adaptable. It's like, it's fragile. Um, I want to get into the concept of hole punching a little bit, because uh, that's, I believe that was the inspiration for the name hole punch. Um, in your press release, you highlighted, you said hole punch is powered by an innovative, innovative stack of distributed technology, including DHT distributed databases, where users can find and connect to each other to form a swarm on real world home and office networks. So can we touch on uh, how does this swarm work how users exactly find each other on a distributed network? Yeah, totally. Uh, I think me and Paolo can talk about that for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, so basically, and if I get too technical or something, just let me know. But like, you know how in the old internet, 
everything is an IP. Yeah, like you have an IP address, and like uh, maybe you use a VPN to 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 hide it and stuff like that because you actually you leak the metadata with them. But basically, like there's these like four numbers that identify where you are in the, the system. Um, that's great and all, but it's kind of like uh, um, what if instead of having just those four numbers, you can have a cryptographic identity instead, something that is inherently yours, not something you get from your internet provider, but like a cryptographic key pair, like you use if you use um, uh, blockchain transactions and stuff like that. Uh, and the public key of that was just your address, something you could take with you, and people could just dial that address and uh, connect to you. So that's basically the, that's like the fundamental thing we, we think about when we think about P2P networking is like that we have to have that. Uh, so what we build out is a, is, a, is a system where users just have these uh, public key identities, and then they're using our um, distributed hash table, which Paolo talked about a little bit before, but like that's heavily inspired by uh, the, the the work we did on BitTorrent in the past, and like um, by that technology because it proved like a super scalable uh, solution for for finding uh, people that are announcing a little bit of data like that. Um, using that, uh, peers can kind of find each other. So now here's the problem, like when you're, cause like um, the world is built on these things called IPs, right, like I talked about. And in fact, it's built on this thing called IPv4, which is this very old version of IP. Uh, and the, the problem was when you, that was designed back and uh, way back, uh, they didn't make that many of them. So the, the world ran out of it. That's why in every home we have this thing called a, a router. You probably got that from your internet provider. Uh, because there's only 4 million addresses in the world, it's very little. So the world ran out of it and everybody got a router because then they can just give the router an IP. So now this connectivity stuff, but you just, if you just, if I knew your IP and I wanted to connect you, it got a little bit harder because your device doesn't have an IP anymore, only your router did it. Um, and that was kind of how they, they scaled that system. So the problem was then even more things came online and it turns out these, these routers you had at home were not enough anymore either. So now, you know, if you go to your internet provider, they have routers also. So it's just all like, it's a layer of layer of routers because they kept running out of addresses. And every time they added one like that, it meant that connecting to people got actually like, got, got much harder because you didn't have an address for it. So we use all these techniques, uh, uh, which is like goes under the umbrella of hole punching, which basically just means like unwrap this entire mess and like find each other and then actually connect to each other using some tricks where you trick the routers into thinking they're connecting to servers, but they're actually connecting to each other, but trick in a good way. And um, and uh, and do that as privately as possible so you don't leak any information about, as, as little information as possible about who's connecting to who and stuff like that. Um, and that allows you to actually run, you know, just on, on your laptop, on your home network, which is normally like really, really locked down. Um, um, like server infrastructure if you wanted to, um, which is like essential for, for P2P network because if we can't connect to each other, it's kind of like a very, a very boring network, right? Um, and um, uh, we invested a ton of R&D into making that work. And like, then you'll have, if you're at an office, you'll uh, you probably have a very lockdown network. It turns out you can also still connect through those with a bunch of techniques that are also in the whole punching umbrella with a bunch of math and statistics. Um, but that's essential. The cool thing about all this stuff is that it all just boils down to you have a public key, you have an API, you can just call connect to the public key and then this, the platform takes, takes care of it and hides all this complexity for you and everything just works and you don't have to worry about IPs and they're hidden as much as possible. So it's just kind of like this virtual network that is just very scalable and uh, super powerful. And so you're connecting to devices that have a public key on that device, right? Rather yeah. than a router? 
Yeah, so you're well, connecting directly to, like, you can obviously connect it through your infrastructure, but, like, at the end of the day, you then just connect it. Well, you're still going through the routers, but, like, you're not going through, like, to, like a cloud. So um, you just, you know, um, it's not free, but you're already paying for it because you pay for your internet subscription every month. And that's basically what you're paying for. So imagine, imagine that you have like uh, two computers, two devices, right? So they are, you know, in two home networks in the past, right? And this is one actually the things that BitTorrent uh, got it right, right? Imagine if you recall, like with the previous file sharing systems, you had to configure your router uh, to open a port to the public and then forward the traffic to your desktop computer where you were running, you know, some file sharing application. That, for, from a usability perspective, was really complex, right? So it was taking a lot of time and energy, and not everyone could do that, right? It's you know not the the not not everyone, right? So um, it ended up that uh, uh, with, uh, with with BitTorrent, but uh, I think that with Hole Punch in you know as a as a networking library as well, it's it's much more sophisticated. You can actually, if you have two devices, right, you can still um, one of the fundamental aspects of, of networking and firewalls and routers is that they are configured to block all the incoming traffic from the outside, but yeah. always allowing the outgoing traffic from the inside, right? So you can connect wherever you want, of course, but if someone wants to connect and, and start, uh, you know, getting inside your network, uh, usually the default is block everything that is coming from the inside, it's from the outside. So basically the idea, one of the most interesting ideas and concepts is that is the trick that Matthias was describing. You, you, can, you can trick the two routers of the two people that want to, talk, to establish a direct connection with each other. So you can have like a third party sending like a simple packet to the both routers that tells that uh, actually these, these two devices were willing in the first instance of both of them to establish a connection from the inside. So since the connections from the inside are, you know, by default and inherently allowed, then you can establish this connection. So is it really simplified terms, but is, 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 is like that. I see. Now, this idea of hole punching, the concept itself, is not a new idea, right? It's been around for, I, I believe I saw Skype used it in early 2000s. Like, it's been around for a long time. Why... Why today? What's the constraint that has been unlocked that enables us to now create whole punch the product today when the concept has been around for a couple decades? Well, yeah, like, first of all, a lot of really good things have also been around for a while. Like, a lot of the underlying tech and stuff like blockchains were all like in the, in the 70s. Uh, but I think it's like, it's, with many good ideas, first of all, it takes a little bit of time for people to like click like this is actually really good. But also like, in the last 10, 15 years, people have just been all, the incentive has been aligned against it. People have been, been wanting to make these big silos to monetize tons of data. And like, you know, it's, it's kind of like been the norm that like the more data we can collect, the more we can monetize, that's a success. Um, and like, that's been like this, like almost lulling of, of users to kind of like just go, go, go along with it because we didn't really fully understand the consequences of that also as users. And at first only now, like when we're, when we're almost in this almost tech dystopian world where we kind of realized, well, maybe that wasn't the best idea and there's a lot of pushback and now a lot of these ideas are coming back. And it's, uh, I'm sure it's also frustrating for Paolo because I've, you know, I've been in this peer-to-peer -peer world the entire time and I've been like, you know, this is obviously what's going to happen. We need to, we need to start doing this and, and um, um, like 
without going back to it too much, BitTorrent really showed this is this is something you could do at scale also with also very few resources uh, in, an, in a completely unstoppable way. Um, so there's definitely going to be a big shift towards that now. And like uh, with all this more data awareness and also um, like we talked about before, there's also tons of regulation coming in properly around like data has to stay local and stuff like that because all of a sudden we're, we're realizing uh, we're already way too too far into the into the other world. I'd like um, to. Oh, sorry, sorry. I think I no, ahead. I was just gonna say like, and also like, obviously, like infrastructure has also caught up with it. Like, you know, we're all sitting at home now on these really powerful connections. Like most of us, most of us are. Like, there's been a ton of, of, of money put into building actual inter internet infrastructure. Um, and it's almost it's almost so good now that it's almost a scam. We're probably all all paying for internet connections that we don't really use. Like when you when you buy a gigabit fiber from your provider, it's because they probably know that you're using ten megabits in practice on average every day, so they can charge you for it. Uh, but like actually, the, the infrastructure is there to drum to drive all this traffic. So that's also you know super exciting for peer to peer because we actually have high quality networks, and even on low quality networks, you can participate. Um, you just you know maybe you don't share as much as other people do uh, in, in your small network and and that's the that's the power of p2p also it's not like everybody has to do the same thing uh, as long as we all have a shared good experience if i can offer a different uh, point of view i think i completely agree with matthias it's here I think about from the monetary point of view right so you have all this good tech right um this peer-to-peer -peer technology that is has been around for a while but uh, as we are saying with Hole Punch, it, it's not easy to monetize that. I mean, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's free for everyone, right? It's, we don't have the control of the network. The BitTorrent clients or BitTorrent client developers didn't have control of the network, right? They didn't have just control over the user experience, right? That they, they were provided, but that's it. So there, was, there has never been a, an economical incentive for big tech corporates of focusing on actually making peer-to-peer -peer technology successful. The more peer-to-peer -peer technology is successful, the less control they have over the products and the networks, and uh, the more, uh, the less revenues that they have, right? So there is an incentive for them actually to not make it working. And it's kind of sad, but is exactly what we are doing here with Hole Punch, right? So, we have big shoulders, both with, uh, with the different companies that are involved with this project, right? So we have all the funding that we need, right? And we are ready. We, we believe that uh, uh, there is the concept of individual sovereignty that has been around also the Bitcoin industry for a while. But it's really hard to reach the individual sovereignty if uh, you have only freedom, financial freedom. You need also freedom of speech, right? So uh, freedom of you know, sharing whatever you want or storing whatever you want, right? Without having to store. Imagine how many photos, you know, how many parents are storing ton of photos of their children's on, on a high cloud or, or, or Google Photos, right? So it's, it, if you stop for a second and think about it, it's, it's insanely worrisome. So that's something that has to change, right? It's not even scalable. It's not something that it will, I believe that the so centralized data center will not scale well in the future, right? Especially with the changes in the geopolitical conditions and wars going around. And also what I, when I talk to, to my developers, when I develop things myself, and in this part of why I really love peer-to-peer -peer is that you should build something that is resistant to the wrath of God, right? It's not like something <laughs> that uh, will fall down at the first peak. 
And that is the thing that peer-to-peer um, -peer does well, right? So imagine, uh, uh, even, no, God forbid, but still imagine that, uh, you know, for, the world has been um, full of wars for the last uh, thousands of years, right? So what happens, what happens to all this data in a case of a war? If this data is, a, is in a country, Maybe this country will decide, and these data centers will be in a specific country. Maybe this 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 country could decide to seize all the data, harvest it to to you to weaponize it, right? So you never know what will happen with your own data. So it's not scalable, it's not future proof, and it's not like you should always think to the worst case scenario when you are building a long term applications. And that is for what is Bitcoin for me on a financial monetary base, right? But then you need something that is completely uh, complementary to Bitcoin on the data side. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, this, this reminds me a little bit of the, uh, the missions here with, with projects like Umbral and Start9, building personal servers uh, for, you know, storing data, storing, you know, passwords, uh, running Bitcoin nodes, things like that. What is how do you, how do you compare those two? So the the project of like Hole Punch and something like an Umbral or a Start Nine, where you know now they're pushing more. They're outside of the just Bitcoin sphere, and now they're saying, look, you can run this as a personal server and hold all your data there. Um, I guess I guess the trade-off would be either you're doing it on your Raspberry Pi or you're doing it on your home computer. Uh, is that is that a correct comparison to make? Well, um, I. I, I, I must admit that I didn't dig uh, super deep in Umbrel, but my, my feeling is that um, um, the tech used usually uh, by the other solutions that we are aware of are still trying to replicate and mimic the, the solutions that are, you know, the classic client-server solutions, right? Yes, you can have your Raspberry, you can have multiple Raspberries, they sync together a little bit, right? But the... The insane part of Hole Punch and the things that make it completely different is that it's kind of a recursion. It's the entire technology is basically kind of fractal in a way, right? It can, the data is stored and can be shared across your own relays, your own multiple devices, your peers in the very same way. So there are not there are no difference between yourself and multiple versions of yourself or different parties. It's just what you want to share and with whom, right? The the concept of uh, public keys and private keys that uh, that Matthias was saying before in terms of you know pairing, establishing the connection, and, and also signing the data and so on and so forth. Right? That is uh, the big difference here is that with um, or at least this is what we feel is that. Hole Punch is a protocol that can en enable you to create a storage, a store of all your personal life, right? Imagine, and let me give you an example. With, uh, with Hole Punch, uh, we can create an app, right? A simple application where that you can keep throwing data like a Dropbox or like a Google Photos, whatever, iCloud, right? You can throw data to it, right? And files, and it will keep storing them. You can store them and there you can add a nice, nice data structure that also indexed by date, right? So now you can have a visual application where you can, you know, with a slider, you can get go back in history. You can rewind your own life. But then, you know, um, given it's, it, you know, similar to BitTorrent, right? You can have another 
uh, peer that um, you know just syncs your data and it's is encrypted, so it doesn't see anything, right? It cannot access your data, but it can still co- keep a copy of your data. And then another peer, another peer, right? In if you remember BitTorrent, you have like this swarming technology where or idea where you were sharing a file. And, you know, the multiple peers could, you know, of course, find the file and download it from yourself. So you, we, you can reapply the same logic still and it's fully encrypted. And, you know, you can make it in a way that uh, if the other peers cannot access to the content, it will just help you to backup and distribute backups of your own personal life across the globe. Because one of the most interesting aspects, you can, you can envision this app, right? Now you have this nice app that is like uh, this pod where you keep putting, putting your own data. But then, you know, it's, it's running... It's running this crazy network of peers in this mesh of peers. And then, you know, you, you, you wipe out your computer, right? And you cross the border and we can make a system that will allow you to actually generate your master key that you used before, right? Uh, from, from a seed, from 24 words. So suddenly you can get, you can access to your, it doesn't matter if uh, an atomic bomb will wipe out your home. You have 24 words in your have, uh, in your mind, and you'll get all your personal life fully backed up everywhere from these network peers. So yes, you can run a Raspberry Pi, you can do whatever, but still, you can we can we can make something that is definitely more catastrophic, catastrophic uh, proof. <laughs> and then, and one thing I just want to add to what Paul is saying is also like we're also super focused on. Um, like, you know, being something that's very, very low resource intensive, resource intensive. Like that means that if you have your life backed up and you just wanted to access a little bit of it, like we do all this work to making sure you can very quickly sync something, uh, just the thing you're looking for. And so that if you're running on an old phone or if you're running on an old computer, if you're just like in very limited connectivity, which you might be, you don't have to sit there and wait for like 12 hours for, like, for all your data to come through. We, we do a lot of uh, indexing techniques on uh, or locally, so you can just get just the part you want. And like, if you try something like Keat, it's actually it's it's very mind bendy sometimes. But we, uh, if you go in there and you drop like a five gigabyte file in the file sharing, you'll notice it appears everywhere at the same time. And you're like, whoa, did I just transfer five gigabytes in like a millisecond? You kind of did because you're just transferring the fact you have it, and then peers are just syncing the parts they want. So if you watch a movie and you just like watch a little bit of it, just that part is syncing. And so we, we had that philosophy at the core of everything we do, saying like, this is for real people. This is not for people that have like servers. This is for people who have real devices, uh, low power. They, they like, they want to get on with their life. They don't want to sit there looking at a loading screen for like two hours for all this. They just want to look at the stuff they're looking for. They, they want to do what they normally do, uh, but they also want to do it peer-to-peer so they don't have all the, the problems of centralized systems. In a bit, it's like a BitTorrent. You remember when you were seeing the preview or you could skim through the file before having fully downloaded it, right? So because you start downloading chunks of the, imagine a movie, right? You can, so the example that Matthias made is like, you drop a five gigabyte movie, right? And you can skim through it, right? And you can move, you know, the, the, the slider and you can move to any point in time, right? And, the system behind the scenes will just fetch the data blocks that are corresponding to what you actually need. And if you apply that to your personal life, it's it's really meaning that you get just the index. You can, you know, you first fetch the index of your all personal life that is really tiny, is a really tiny data structure. And then you select what you want to see. You don't need to download it all. So you, it's not like Dropbox or whatever. It's like you get only the, the few things you need in that specific moment in time. And can I add, add something? 
you can put the Bitcoin blockchain on top of it, right? These data structures are perfect to index. Actually, we did tests in the past. You can actually put the Bitcoin blockchain in this data, uh, um, data structure. So you can actually make like, a, you, you can even resync your own node from home or access, mount the file system. You can actually create a file system out of it that actually distribute the data through peers. I have that, that at home, right? So you have a disk that is like a remote disk or like a local disk, you, your OPRC system, see that as a local disk, but it's actually peers that are just storing the data for yourself in an encrypted way so they cannot access the data. And it's like really, it's the, the quality, the speed and so on is insane. And you can actually access the data much faster because then you can download multiple chunks of data from multiple peers. This is very cool. Is was it also an unlock when, you know, like you talked about the, the fact that you could take 24 word seed phrase and access all your data if it's been wiped off your computer or something. Um, is that, uh, was that an unlock enabled by Bitcoin? Like, is that another reason why this, this couldn't have existed like 15 years ago where, where people weren't very familiar with the concepts of seed phrases and like now it's, it's more of a mainstream uh, concept now. Is that, was that, important in unlocking what whole punch can do user experience in general is, is critical right so because one of the limitations of also of peer-to-peer uh, -peer in the past in a way was that in part was never developed that much and in part people or the actual applications peer-to-peer -peer application were poor in quality right so it, it you had always the feeling that uh you were getting a more private solution but uh, the quality was actually lower. So you had to make compromises. And I believe that is what Matthias described before in, with Kit. With Kit, it's, it's clear that these compromises are not realistic anymore, right? So you don't have to compromise anything. Actually, you have a better experience. You can drop files, you can skim through files much faster, you can do better quality video calls because you don't have a central server compressing your own data and so on and so forth, right? So. Right now, the, we are at a stage where we can provide a much better user experience in peer-to-peer -peer applications than what centralized applications can do because the centralized applications can just reach a certain scale then they choke under pressure sometimes, right? Or they, they cannot easily keep adding uh, data centers because then eventually it will add up and will, can, can risk to cascade like um, a, 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 a cast of cards. Now, when it comes to the um, 24 words, it's definitely something that we learn from, from, from Bitcoin. It's actually a cool thing. But even more so, uh, we're working on a ledger app that, so that you can actually start, you can authenticate and start signing the messages, the data you're sending through that ledger app. How cool is that, right? So you can actually bring your ledger with you and you can, you, you, you basically, you don't even have to worry that someone is, is cloning your, your drive to copy your master key. The master key is derived by, by, your, by, by your ledger. That is like, um, th that is, I believe, one of the holy grails that we can make happen here. So you can access your Bitcoin and your data from your ledger. Exactly. Space your entire life. All right, I want to talk a bit about your, your Lightning integration as well, uh, because it, I believe Lightning support is being built into Hole Punch along with Tether support for microtransactions. So maybe we can start off. Is this at all related to the work that Synonym is doing, bringing Tether to Lightning? I know there's an Omnibolt thing going on. How do all these different concepts work together here? 
it's um, so first of all just oh. just, just want to touch on the, on the payment a sure. little bit like um both me uh, and power big believers that you know uh, having worked in open source and uh, and making tons of apps and software in, in the past like that's a huge missing step in software that's just like simple monetization like it's way way too hard right now to build actual apps um that make money without like being tied into all kinds of uh, online things where you actually all of a sudden have to make a lot of money for it to pay off because otherwise you're just losing money and that's a big driver for us like we want to like because peer-to-peer -peer really unlocks the thing where you can just you know you can have it all in your laptop so you also need to be able to 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 monetize and make money from your laptop if you wanted to sell something so like let's say you wanted to sell like storage let's say you wanted to sell video services it could be that you're sitting there doing captions and video and that's the service doesn't matter but like you need to be able to get paid for it so like building a platform like this where we have this very ambitious goal of like unlocking developers to build apps like if you can't commercialize it's kind of like what's the point because they want just back in the same explo exploitive structures that, that we've always been in so like from the get-go we're like uh, we need strong fundamentals there and like uh, both lightning and tether are, are really good at that and i'll let paulo talk about the synonym stuff a little bit yeah, I think that it's, it's important to, to see the difference between um, hole punch and usually the other approaches, right? So hole punch is a data protocol, a protocol to create uh, scalable applications that provide, that can share any amount of data really, really quickly, right? So as we said before, the, the holy grail is data and then and for hole punch and not uh, transfer wealth. Right, so blockchains and, and Bitcoin and Lightning are providing the transfer of wealth, but um, uh, so that's one of the reasons why Hole Punch, uh, you know, there are solutions that are uh, doing something similar potentially, but their their approach is trying to reuse Lightning Network network, and for us, uh, it's not really scalable that approach, because that network is built with the first use case of delivering wealth. And wealth usually is requires less bandwidth. That's you know different data structures, even possibly than what uh, we need into transfer data, right? So, so we uh, so whole punch focuses on data, and then of course, as as Matthias uh, rightly said, uh, developers should be paid for their work, right? That is really important. And in order to so payments are optional, and they are part of the SDK, so developers can quickly build and add. Payment system, right? The cool, cool thing about um, about, about the, the SDK allows you to actually get paid. You know, for example, you are streaming. Imagine that you are streaming trading signal, signals through Hole Punch, right? So you are a good mathematician, statist, um, you are good in stats, right? And you are you built an algorithm, but you don't want to sell the algorithm. You want to just to stream trading signals, and you want to pay, be paid per minute, right? You can do that. You can do like uh, you can. Um, you can sell it through Hole Punch Network, or you can stream it through Hole Punch Network. But you are going to encrypt it only with the key of the people, the public key of the people that are uh, actually paying for you, right? So you actually saying you are basically advertising yourself, saying, "Look, I have this cool uh, trading signal feed, and I want um, to be paid like uh, one ten thousand satoshis per minute, or like uh, you know two tethers per minute. I don't know, right? Random numbers, but still, um, and you know." If someone stops to pay you, you just uh, remove his pub key from from uh, you know the encryption, um, and uh, so he will not receive your your payments anymore. But both with Tether and with uh, with uh, with Lightning, you can do like micro payments at scale. You can do like uh, uh, you can actually provide that is one example. But you can imagine like uh, 
someone like Joe Rogan could make a, a, a podcast and uh, you know get paid for the entire for for seeing the the pod, the, the podcast the podcast for the full podcast or for by minute I don't know right but it could be you can you can actually do all the, create all these experiences and you no know, developers just need to be a way to they just need um, primitives to get paid right software primitives to accept and or, or offer payments, simple as that. And Sinan actually is quite complementary, right? They're working on a Bitcoin Lightning wallet that will support also um, uh, Tether and Lightning, right? Tether and Lightning, of course, for all the reasons we said before in terms of scalability and uh, you know the fact that eventually uh, share state um, blockchains are not going to scale really well in the future, it's important to have a solution that is channel-based, like a sort of socket base for, for payments where that is one-to-one. Um, and Sinon uh, uh, is doing amazing research on, on that part and also on the user experience of, of that, right? So we want to make sure that we don't fall back in, in having complex product, complex pro- wallets also um, for users because if we are really willing to get, go to mass adoption, and by the way, I believe that Kit and similar applications that we can build on Hole Punch have the chance to reach mass adoption. So they are, if you see how they're presented also on the website, it's not like, uh, okay, this is a new crypto cool project, right? It's not like that. It's, this is a video chat, use it, it's private, you can share files, you can do whatever in a video chat, right? Simple as that, right? So in this way, offering this application, focusing on the user experience, without having to worry on complex architectures and in backend infrastructures and data centers. You can actually allow both Bitcoin, Lightning Network, and, and, and other payment systems to actually increment their installed monetary base by tenfolds easily, because then you give a simple way to, for people to, act, to do the two things that they do, they do care about. Talking with the people they do care about or they, they love, with friends and so on, and also share wealth. That's it. And you have won in that way, right? If as long as it's simple is for the bus driver driver, for the, 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 the cook, for the chef, for, for the teacher, if you get it right, you make it simple, you to- remove all that uh, you know complex, you know um, cocky uh, user experience that we we uh, we have in crypto where we pretend that everyone understands what we are saying, then you can really deliver products that can can be replacing what people are used to in their normal lives and uh, and um, and still behind the scenes giving that uh, giving them better uh, preconditions on in terms of privacy in terms of security and so on and so forth right they they will become a more private more secure probably even without knowing but we shouldn't pretend that everyone cares we should just build applications that will push these features behind the scenes to the to, to, to the rest of the world. Right, <clears throat> something that just works and you, you almost forget about all the details because it, it yeah. works so well and you just want to use it for that purpose. Also, one, one thing I just want to add like to what Paolo said, like think about that that, that use case Paolo said in the beginning, like the, the, the person making like and analyzing data sets, selling that. Think about what that means in a P2P network. It doesn't mean that you're streaming and maybe getting a CSV file. It could be, but it could also be that you're booting up another peer-to-peer app that's then directly consuming that data for you and presenting it in a cool way. Now, what if like somebody has a better way of doing that? Then you just use a new peer-to-peer app because there's no silos 
and use your data in that. Like, you know, your data stays with you. It's not being locked into some platform somewhere. Like, it's you're in control, right? So, like, basically, like, through, like, you know, market economics, you always end up with the best that possible because this kind of, like, if everybody can compete about, uh, against everybody. There's not, like, anybody who just sits there being like, well, I'm just going to lock it all up. And then you can just do what you want and I'm not going to innovate anymore. Then they just, then they just die out and you can move your data elsewhere. So it's like, it's kind of, it's like, you know, it's almost by definition, it's going to create better apps because of that. Right. It forces everyone to compete on user experience and making sure the apps are like smooth as can be because there's no lock-in. Yeah. Um, and, and the idea of like being able to seamlessly transfer both information and money in this ecosystem seems like it's, it's very broad, right? It covers so much that it's almost hard to grasp. Are there any particular use cases or things that you think, man, a developer's gonna build that and it's gonna absolutely take off. This is gonna be a really exciting first few use cases. I know you guys have been thinking about you know, what <laughs> developers might build. What are some of your favorite ideas so far for aspiring developers, anyone listening to this conversation uh, to build using Hole Punch? <clears throat> wow, there's so many, but like, uh... I mean, we're very excited about just all kinds of apps, but especially apps that take advantage of the fact that you can do, you can move a lot of data on P2P networks. So like even simple things like a peer-to-peer -peer VPN, like why is that not a thing that just exists where everybody can act as endpoints and you can just sell traffic if you wanted to that way, or you can do it for free if, if that's what you're into. But like simple ways like that, where instead of being logged into these online providers that we don't know what to do with our data, uh, but then we can use like a, an open network of it like that's super exciting to me also things like you know if you look at things like search right um search might be one of the most unethical things online because it's just these big big companies in, ingesting all our data into selling us products but the idea of search is really good right it's like finding things is very nice like uh, that's why we all use it anyway if you take that stuff and you make that peer-to-peer -peer and like you do the indexing locally then all of a sudden the unlocks you get from that are insane like you know <clears throat> that's like you can make killer killer products that all of a sudden doesn't have to mine the the, the data of the world uh, but you can also still make things where users can can sell data to ingest and because you have the payments and stuff like so you, instead of having one big mega monopoly of search engines we can have tons of them in the peer-to-peer -peer ecosystem all solving problems and we can move the indexes uh, locally which means that we don't have these like big uh, you know, sets of, of data that everybody can uh, mines and stuff. That's super exciting for me. Like, so just like the explosion of, of monopolies into all these kinds of apps. On, on my side, I would suggest that uh, I, I agree that uh, the search engine is one of the coolest ones because, you know, knowledge should be, you know, shouldn't be used against yourself. And one of the main reasons of having, you know, search engines is like uh, access to knowledge. If you don't have a fair democratic access to knowledge, then, you know, it's, um, it's, it's kind of, uh, uh, it, it can create a really dystopian uh, future in a, in a way, right? So because the way the, 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 the searches, the, the results are sorted is quite impactful on what people think, right? So could be interesting to, to change that. But um, if I have to say another one, for example, it's mapping to me, right? I, I mm -hmm. do quite, quite a lot of work in the past, uh, also at the university in mapping. Um, and, you know, when, when you go on Google Maps, but also if you use something like OpenStreetMap, you have you, your, your uh, computer, like you have like a nice UI that will fetch tiles, right? They are like these small, you know, square boxes of, of the world, right? So it's like a puzzle uh, composed, right? So um, 
imagine that that is first of all one of the easy wins of, of whole punch right you can store all, all those tiles on um, on a peer-to-peer -peer network right so suddenly you can download them uh, from from local peers right you are like in in italy you don't want to do download tiles from a, from a japanese uh peer right you'll you'll download them locally but also even more so right one one of the interesting ways on how um <clears throat> Uh, big tech giants are monetizing mapping is, you know, now on the maps, you, you search, of course, for restaurants, right? Or for, for, for schools or for this and that, right? For, for grocery stores. And, you know, that is ton data indexed. Uh, when you are going there, right, you are checking in or you are nearby that, right? So there is, that is information by itself. When you are driving your car, that is um, information that Google is using to understand if there is traffic and so on and so forth. Right. So I think that if uh, I would trust more like uh, someone living in a small town in, in, you know, imagine someone living in a small town in Italy to provide uh, contextful uh, and precise information about uh, about the, the, you know, the different facilities on the territory um, and putting them on a peer to peer network rather than relying entirely on the sorting on the or the priority that, uh, you know, maybe Google Maps is giving me when when I'm going around. So I think that mapping with the amount of data that there is available and is one probably, I feel like eventually search will be even more localized onto maps, right? So we are not seeing that yeah. yet, but maps are insanely powerful if you, if you want to actually show information, right? The ton of information in this world is localized in specific location and coordinates so you can actually build the best map and social map that you can ever do and you can make that you know uh, contribution based and based on location and data can be uh, actually stored by the peers and like imagine if if you combine those things also right it's kind of like you yeah. go on the peer-to-peer -peer search engine you find the local provider that's like has high ranks based on the peers in the area saying this is the person that makes the best list of restaurants that's like how we do it in real life you would love to talk to a local saying yeah. go here right you pay them yeah. for them like you but you pay a reasonable amount it's not like a monthly subscription based on like what they want it's there just between you and them you get them you sync the local map boom like you know it's kind of like that's that's what i love about peer to peers all complementary instead of building silos and then and then every silo having to do everything we just build small 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 things and they all work together. And then all of a sudden we're like, whoa, what happened? Like, <laughs> like it's just like the, the insanity of it. And you can make that payment on Lightning or on Tether and then yeah. you aggregate all these little tiny payments and all of a sudden you have this big network of like global payments, slinging yeah. money and information back and forth. Yeah. Um, I just want to, uh, we have, I know we're running out of time, but I, I want to touch on one more final point on Hole Punch, the business model for Hole Punch and Keith. <laughs> And, and what is the relationship between the different uh, companies in this like Tether family of companies? I just want to highlight that for listeners. Um, so will Hole Punch make money? Will Keat make money? And how do the you know, Hole Punch, Keat, Tether, and Bitfinex and Synonym all relate to each other? So um, maybe Matthias, if you want to start, otherwise you know, I can just yeah. give it a quick overview. Well, I can start on the, the whole point side of it, at least. Like, so basically, you know, we're, we we made uh, Keat, uh, the app. Uh, it's uh, close right now. It's going to be open source later in the year when we when we open it up. Uh, open source, uh, if I didn't say that. Um, we're giving it away. Like, uh, it's it's very exciting. We're not we're not like 
there's no secret agenda or like you know all of a sudden we pulled the rock and like now because it's all peer-to-peer -peer, it's like cost us nothing to run uh we're just very excited to get it out there and showcase exactly what you can do which is obviously also of tremendous value for us uh obviously hope punch is a company and we're working on various things uh on the network uh, services and stuff like that um to to monetize on in the future but like we're still also iterating exactly uh, uh what we'll build uh, but like the cool thing for me about peer-to-peer -peer again is like you know, it's this explosion of the market. So there'll be tons of opportunities to make money for everybody, including us. Like, you know, there's going to be tons of services needing to be built. There's tons of infrastructure needing to, to be built. The main thing that's very, very important for us is we don't like build in like some weird token that has, you know, pay to play all of a sudden because infrastructure at the end of the day needs to be free and open because otherwise, what's the point? Uh, and, and monetization has to happen like through things that actually create value. Uh, and make the experience the experience better and and there's no shortage of that stuff right either in, in the network there's tons of ways so so um we kind of like navigating and, and 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 like i said we're gonna we're gonna release more in the future about that and paulo can talk about the other part yeah i, I think that to the so whole punch the entire initiative started with one thing a thing in mind right it should be realistic and real peer-to-peer -peer rather than you know fake peer-to-peer -peer where we somehow some way we retain the control of the network, right? So in a way, it will be fully open source. So, you know, if people don't like uh, what we are doing, they can fork it away, right? So that is, uh, that is always it. But one of the interesting things about Hole Punch is that um, it will create an even playing field for everyone, even for us, right? So again, we don't have the control. So we are providing the tools to all the developers to create applications. And we are developers ourselves, right? So we have a ton of ideas where we are, of course, creating capital, creating, you know, uh, ventures that will maybe imagine like a peer-to-peer -peer VPN or like, uh, you know, um, I don't know, an indexing service, cool indexing service and or whatever you can think about, right? So we, it's not like usually when it comes to companies and, you know, the, the classic thing is, okay, want to make 99% of the money, the rest can make 1% of the money. But we started Whole Punch with a different vision. In a way, it's also giving back to the community. And if no one is willing to do that, nothing will ever happen, right? So in the end, the big... So here's the dilemma. If you, don't, if you are not building actual peer-to-peer -peer tech, then you will, the only result that you can ever get in your life is that p big tech companies will make even more money. So we already tried that, we've done that. So, you know, it's better to try something else, right? And there is a ton of money to made, be made for everyone because you can recreate all the apps. Imagine also, you know, the, the Shazam or whatever application you have there. Right? It's, it's going back to what Matthias was saying, you know, you, you can build algorithms that recognize songs better than others, right? And you can sell that algorithm. You can provide, you can uh, listen to a music through this peer-to-peer -peer Shazam and, you know, you can identify the, the music, right? So the, you can, everything that has been built today can be built on top of peer-to-peer -peer with much less, much, much less cost. So you, any developer can compete with big corporations. So there is a ton of money to be made for everyone. We are not definitely not greedy. Otherwise, we wouldn't have contributed for so many years in open, on open source stuff ourselves. And um, you know, when it becomes to Tether and, and Bitfinex, you know, for us is you know we have been we have two successful companies, right? Uh, uh, arguably centralized, right? But we do what should be done in our opinion. So first of all, you know, the meme is we we are all in for the tech where people laugh laugh at it, right? So. 
for <laughs> us, it's it's actually real, right? You can. I hope that um, your listeners can see it, right? We we it's not all about about making money of course we are running two companies and all punch is a company so companies need to generate profit to 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 be sustainable but is you know is even tether right it didn't uh, with the, it's an extremely profitable company never took one single dividend out of uh, of the revenues ever right so for us ensuring that we can do what we are doing for the longest time possible and subsidizing great ideas and funding great projects is the only thing that matters. In the end, we are, you know, we are all simple people. Like, um, you know, I, I don't have any Lambos, don't plan to have and, and so on. And this is true for, for everyone, in, in, at least in our, in our system. The mission is much more important than, you know, your, your, your personal status. You want to create cool thing and at the end of the day, you want to, to be proud of what you have built. And there is a huge space, right? It's also um, the, you know, there is a huge space in, in, um, that we are creating to make more money. So, no, but we want to be exactly as in Bitcoin. You know, nothing is pre-mined. In the case of hole punch, the pre-mining would be like, uh, you know, um, you know, the token, right? So creating the token to run the network and like uh, keeping 70% of the supply. That is something that we are completely against. And that's why we wanted to start some, with something that is, you know, token agnostic, fully free and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. So for us, it's purely giving back to the community and get um, and, and, and have some fun and be excited what we do at the end of the day. And the same thing applies to a synonym. And I just want, and I just want to add, like you know, me and Paolo, we've only known each other for a long time, and like this is like kind of like ethos from the beginning. We're both kind of like uncompromising people in terms of like the only thing that matters. The, sorry, the main thing that matters for us is like just building really, really good apps and software. Like that's why we do open source. That's why we do anything. And in my peer-to-peer career, like I've been in here for a while, then you know, I met, met many people. They're always like, "Well, you should do a token. You should do this. You should do that." And Paolo was like the first person to just be like. No, just build good, keep building, keep building good software, and you know, that's what we've been doing the last, like the entire time we know each other. So I don't see why we're not going to do that the next five years. Also, like it's kind of like in our blood, you know. Yeah, awesome. I really enjoyed this conversation. This was this was a ton of fun. Um, I actually I have a couple extra questions, rapid fire ones. If you guys have a couple extra minutes, sure. um, we can do. It's I, I do the segment called the lightning round. Uh, so are you ready for the lightning round? Sure. Welcome to the lightning round presented by Zebedee, your portal into the world of Bitcoin gaming. The Zebedee app offers a full-featured lightning wallet seamlessly integrated with your own personal gamer tag so that you can earn Bitcoin on all of Zebedee's games on mobile and desktop. It's never been more fun to earn Bitcoin and Zebedee is your key to it all. To claim your personal gamer tag and start earning some Bitcoin of your own, Download the Zebedee app today. Paolo, in February, you announced uh, on Twitter that Bitfinex had processed 10,000 Lightning transactions in the last 30 days for about 100 Bitcoin of volume. Have you noticed any meaningful changes in Lightning activity uh, through Bitfinex? I can easily say that they are more than double as of today. You know, the size of the network, the amount of Bitcoin locked uh, has gone um, higher over the last few months. 
And uh, we are seeing actually more and more users act- uh, excited about uh, about uh, Lightning payments. We also had that to the, to the Bitfinex app, we have FastPay, that is uh, a Lightning first approach to send the payments from our Lightning node from your Bitfinex account. And people are pay- us- usually using that to pay for like in El Salvador or like paying for groceries in the shops that are using it. So it's super exciting. Very cool. Um- is Bitfinex earning from the uh, routing node right now? And if so, do you suspect that uh, routing fees or channel liquidity, like buying and selling liquidity, will be a bigger source of revenue for Bitfinex? Okay, this is a tricky one. Uh, I don't want to give an unpolite answer, but I don't think routing will be a money driver for the like, network. I think that... Uh, um, it will be always negligible. I think that uh, liquidity is always there. I mean, we are we are providing we are a good provider of liquidity in in the in the Lightning world. We have two nodes averaging two three hundred and fifty Bitcoin each. Um, so we are a good example of um, not interested to make fees in, in routing. I believe that uh, you know the amount of fees that you can make in routing is uh, will remain negligible for the foreseeable future, and especially the number of hops will be as limited as possible. There will be some sort of uh, centralization with uh, also in lightning hubs so um, that will reduce the necessity of doing routing so i, I don't know it feels feels to me that is uh, making money on routing is a little bit far-fetched at this point do you think that channel selling channel liquidity will also be a low source of revenue or do you think that could complement routing fees I think that that could complement routing fees. It's uh, definitely a more interesting business model to me. I, I know that the John is uh, really looking too deep and uh, actually is uh, is uh, is uh, betting de- uh, heavily on that, and I believe that uh, that is the right bet. Got it. Um, okay, how much stablecoin payment volume will be happening on Lightning in a decade? That's tricky. I believe that um, so. I believe that will be we're going to see around 100 million transactions per second in a decade, because you know for all the IoT uh, stuff um, that will happen. Again, um, you know next. If you have seen the the video from Boston Dynamics where the guy the the, the robot that was doing like uh, <laughs> backflips and so on. I mean, you can imagine that in 10 years, this thing will teach at universities and will pay for, for you know, the bus, the bus ticket in order to, to get back home, right, somewhere in, uh, in some pod. So I, I think that uh, we, all, we are, you know, and machines are much faster than us, much smarter than us, will be much smarter than us and so on and so forth, right? So I feel like uh, uh, it's going to be an enormous amount of transaction per second. I think that uh, in order... so. Just to, to be clear, Tether is not better than Bitcoin. Absolutely, Tether, Bitcoin is better than anything else. It's just that uh, Tether offer a, 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 a short-term um, low volatility compared to Bitcoin. And that is, uh, in a way, if you are like a computer, would probably like uh, the predictability of, uh, or you are an AI, you would like to see the predictability of the payments that you are, you are doing and hence, you might prefer for the short term to use uh, a stable coin. And again, I'm not uh, enjoying that. I believe that the long term should be uh, Bitcoin first. But, uh, you know, this is my two cents on this specific matter. So that's my follow-up question. In a decade, if you have 100 million transactions a second, we have a ton of volume going through. What percentage of that volume is dollars versus Bitcoin in a decade? 
I would hope that is 70% Bitcoin. Okay, I like it. Um, if you could change one thing about Bitcoin, what would you change? Matthias, do you have, you want to go first on this one? Uh, <laughs> I will just more like, you know, I'm just gonna chill our own things. I would say like, stop putting everything on blockchains in general and like use the data structures that matter. Like blockchains are great for financial stuff. Bitcoin is a, Bitcoin is a great example of that, but especially other blockchains, there's too much stuff happening. Centralize the rest, uh, sorry, decentralize the rest. I think that the things that, uh, for me, the things that uh, in general, not that I personally don't like, but uh, the things that, uh, uh, the the things for which Bitcoin is most criticized are the things that are making it stronger. So, mm -hmm. in a way, you know, uh, all the last bit of uh, bit of problems or um, that are raised on on you know against Bitcoin are the things that are making it inherently uh, stronger as a monetary system. Matthias is right. Is you know, Bitcoin is not made. You know, it's it's fun. Like um, you know, have you have the other flavors of Bitcoin like SV that pretend that uh, they want to do a hole punch just with big blocks, right? You have like the terabyte block on, on Bitcoin SV. <laughs> that is, I mean, I'm sure that uh, I, I didn't ever met Satoshi, but I'm sure that Satoshi didn't have in mind to have one terabyte blocks, right? So, <laughs> so that is from any computer science, uh, scientist is like, is pure craziness, so. Uh... Right. Um, okay, I want to finish off with a book recommendation. Can you each share a, a book that has meaningfully changed your view of the world? I think I, think I mentioned it. It's like The Cathedral and Bazaar uh, from Eric S. Raymond. I haven't heard that one. I'll give that, I'll give that one a read. I mean, I've, I really enjoyed um, There's this amazing book on the Pandoni Locks uh, about how the Kafka system works, and that kind of changed my perspective on decentralized systems. That's more on the techie side. I'm sorry, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big nerd, but like, and it's very thin, which I like. Uh, really what, what was the name of it? It's called a Pannoni Locks, and it's about the Kafka system, which is a decentralized system, but very, 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 very educational and to the point book. But Paulus, Paulus is more inspirational. You should definitely read that one. I read that one. All, <laughs> I read that one also in school. It, really good book. It, it was basically uh, related to, if I'm not wrong, like the worst, the kernel wars, right? So you had like Linux that was actually the yeah. pretty monolithic system, right? So then you have Minix or you have like uh, uh, GNU yeah. board uh, built by um, uh, um, Stallman and, uh, and others that was all about microservices, even at the kernel level. That is basically a peer-to-peer at the kernel level. It's pretty cool, right? In, a, in, a, in yes. an operative system. It's actually, it was actually, it was a requirement when I went to university that we read that book, the Bazaar and the Cathedral, we got, we got graded in. But also, like, I just want to say, like, if you ever look at, like, great peer-to-peer -peer systems, there's a heavy distribution of them in the, in the Nordics, where I'm from, because people love peer-to-peer -peer up here, because we're small countries and we get locked off from the world a lot. So we're all, all about, like, small networks, but uh, I'm sure that's part of it also, is, like, all through the system. But you, you have been historically traders, right? So, um, yeah. in, in the Nordics, yeah. yeah. So traders are, are you know, bazaars are, are like, uh, you send ships around the world and you buy stuff, you buy, um, um, yeah. you know, uh, stuff you can sell, like silk, you can cotton, you, 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 you know, and it's how you should be. Yeah. I like it. Um, one final thing before we go, where can, where can listeners go to learn more about the work you guys are doing? 
so we have a website, Key.io. You can go there, get the app. We link to our Discord there, where we're very active, both me and Paolo and the rest of the team. Uh, also, like, we're very active talking about the stuff on, on Twitter until we get our decentralized alternatives, uh, hopefully in the future. But uh, I think that's, that's the best ways uh, to, to catch up. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time, both of you. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I'm sure listeners will too. Hope we can do it again soon. Thank you very much, Kevin. In the last seven days, you guys have sent in 20,831 sats. That came in from 41 different supporters. Thank you to everyone sending in sats. Let's go through the top five supporters of the week. We have an anonymous user on Breeze who sent in 10,952 sats. RGBTC sent in 2,450. Mary Oscar sent in 1,958. Max Webster sent in 1,699. And Gui Porto sent in 425 sats. And we got a lot of questions, a lot of comments. Let's roll through them here. First one is from SMRTAK. It says, thanks for a great lesson again on episode 58 with Alan Plus. Um, Maitoshi sent in 7,000 sats from Breeze. I guess this is the anonymous user from Breeze. Uh, said, love the show with Alan. Um, on episode 58. Thank you, Maitoshi. RGBTC says, buy yourself a nice dinner of bugs and mac and cheese with these sats. Sent in 2,450 sats. I hate to tell you, RGBTC, it may cost a little more for mac and cheese these days. 2,450 sats is about 50 cents. So, you know, inflation's got mac and cheese at two or three dollars. So you can send the balance this time. Thank you for the sats. Um, Uncopyable says, I think this is a good thing to listen to other people on episode 57 with Christian Decker. I agree. I think it's great to listen to other people. I don't really know what the comment was referencing, but great idea. Um, Zaya Cry says, thanks Alan for creating LN Plus, streamlining the whole process by having an API and having an app on Umbral and Embassy will bring it to another new level. Kevin, thanks for creating this content. I enjoyed your show. Thank you, Zaya Cry, and I'm really excited about this API. I had no idea until we got into the recording. Alan announced it on the show live, uh, and I can't wait to see the impact of it being out in the wild. Money Minter says, great podcast on LN in response to episode 58. And one says, Alan Plus builds LN Plus. Sounds like the perfect naming. I agree. Uh, it's a great platform, by the way. Thank you both for the episode. Thank you, and one for the sats. Purple Panda says, yay for single balance. I don't know what that means uh, in response to episode 57 uh, with Christian Decker. Uh, but thank you for the sats anyways, Purple Panda. Uh, DCW says, one of the good things of Bitcoin is that it makes people start to think about the nature of money, what it is and who creates it. Many things that until then had not been questioned because the system had made them implicit. They have made us play in their field with their rules, but they have not explained what it is, what is behind it or how they manage it. I agree. That's a great thing about Bitcoin. Um, thank you for the thoughtful comment, DCW. Uh, this was in response to episode 48 with Michael Levine. We got into the nature of money in that episode a little bit. So check that one out if you have not listened to it. It's one of the most popular ones. Uh, I've done to date. DCW says in response to 
episode one with Oscar Mary. This is the episode that started this entire podcast. Uh, DCW says, Fountain Podcast is a very good initiative. Let's change the rules. Let's promote and boost value for value. Let's create new business models that reward individuals and creators. Good luck. Thank you, DCW. It's working so far. It's, you know, we're in the early innings, but I'm seeing every single month, you know, 100,000 plus sats come in. It's starting to become a meaningful contributor. You know, I appreciate every listener sending in comments, sending in sats, um, whatever you think the show is worth. You guys can decide for yourselves and we'll see. I think this value for value thing has legs and, uh, you know, it's starting to be replicated outside of podcasting into news, social media. I think this is going to become a common theme uh, throughout the internet economy, the creator economy over time. So thank you guys for sending in all those comments. I can't wait to see what you guys send in this week. See you in a couple days.